be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath, completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. All right, we're back. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Mary. How's it going? Hey, I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. So this is a, a just an episode uh, that we wanted to release to review The Invisible Man. Yeah, which we hadn't planned before seeing each other today because we didn't realize we'd both seen it. Yeah. Um, but it seemed like a good time. Yeah, it seems like a good time to release because this film already has been so successful. It was just made on a micro budget of about seven million. And it's, as of the time of recording, today's Sunday, it's made nearly $50 million, yeah, which amazing. is amazing in its first weekend. Yeah. And then coincidentally, you recorded something with your sister about the director's previous work. Yes. Which we're, you're going to hear afterwards. That's right. So it's yeah. like a good time to kind of talk about Lee Wanell and what we thought of The Invisible Man and yeah. all of that stuff. Actually, also written by Lee Wanell as well, starring Elizabeth Moss. And so firstly, I want to ask, because I've not seen the original Invisible Man. Have you? No, I haven't. Okay. So I have no way of knowing whether, the, like, what the references are with the original yeah, film. Yeah, I think pretty much they just took the character. Yes. Which I think is, like, a universal character. Mm-hmm. And then, like, adapted, remade, adapted it for, like, a new generation. Amazing. Basically. So I think it's just, like, a kind of... It's an interesting, like, it's like a copyrighted, like, concept. But mm-hmm. I think you can sort of do whatever you want with the... With yeah, the it doesn't feel like franchising no. in the way of or you know, gimmicky or gimmicky yeah. or like remakey. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you know we have to take this thing because like the copyright's about to run out and make another like mm-hmm. fifty million with it. It feels wow, like yeah. this it's, is a character that could that could go somewhere interesting. Yeah, because it's in a way saying that the character itself is powerful enough as an archetype that it can generate different interpretations. Yeah from different filmmakers and audiences, which this is exactly what this has done. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, you're right. It's it, it's kind of almost as if the Invisible Man archetype is the perfect projective test yeah. because it is invisible. <laughs> like, and, and we fill it with our own projections, you know, very fitting for mm-hmm. our podcast, um, of what that meaning is. I like that a lot. So in this story, um, Elizabeth Moss plays... She's an architect, is that right? Yeah, yeah which is interesting. interesting. <laughs> it is very interesting. <laughs> and, oh my God, we're so therapist I know. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a woman who, after the suicide of her abusive boyfriend, believes that uh, she is actually being stalked by him, that in fact he's not really dead He's, fa- he's found some way because he's like a tech entrepreneur and like yeah, optics yeah it's very kind of like yeah it's very vague about his job yeah. which I think is interesting because it's like all from her perspective and I guess she's not interested in his job so that's why you don't know mm. but it doesn't take away from the story that you don't have a big science explanation mm. so no, not at all. but yeah some genius in the field of optics yeah and in a way that does help um, us kind of be grounded in this story because often those tech billionaires like those Silicon Valley people they are really shadowy people mm-hmm. you know and we don't always know what the parameters are and the terms of conditions of the products that we engage with that they've created so it does actually make sense that we don't know that much about them they, it feeds into the mystery of our lived experience in relation to those people as well yeah. Um and the opening scene, I thought, wow, it just really yeah. threw me for a loop. It was like, I, I mean, o- like overall impressions, it was mm. really scary. Very. It was really scary and really tense. And yeah, that opening scene, I've told you before that I'm like afraid of the ocean, mm. like big, like big ocean, not mm. like the beach. 
Um, and so that black like water. black water really scares scares me a lot. So mm. that opening scene of those like waves crashing up was oh. like it really put me on edge. And but I think mm. it was scary to anyone. Oh yeah. But yeah, it was amazing. And then just that whole opening scene, it was so tense and so brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, you know how she obviously planned out her escape, and when we see him charging at her at the car at the car and like slamming the window that really just the sound like the sound design is so good and it's really terrifying because i thought going into it oh it's going to be really like jump scary and gimmicky but there is a bit of that but mm. it's done very thoughtfully yeah uh which i appreciate it wasn't too like i, I don't it's, it's wrong of me to joke about it but no but i think she was she born into it yeah okay i that's interesting yeah that's interesting yeah, I agree. Like, she really is such a talent. Um, and there are some really physical scenes in this film yeah. where, uh, you know, there had to be obviously probably very uh, carefully choreographed. But I can't imagine what it must be like to fight some an invisible entity. Yeah, and everyone does filmed. so well. Everyone, like James, uh, her friend James as well. Um, and there's so many bits in it that I thought, oh, I really just felt for her character, um, where particularly when she's went with James's daughter and her ex, you know, in invisible mode, like pushes her or punches the kid. Yeah. And then she gets accused of, and I thought, oh God, that just the idea of like someone overcoming an abusive relationship and then being accused of abuse because we know that that cycle can exist like the the cycle of abuse and trauma like people who often escape sometimes feel compelled to commit the abuse so it kind of fitted really well in that people could believe that she was responsible and that just made me like really flinch um because we knew that she was innocent of course and just so many bits that um you know the whole thing in the attic and the phone and like <gasps> so scary it was so scary so, like i don't know she's so resourceful so like that jump scare where you see where she pours paint on him yeah oh god that like, really got me it re- I, it actually didn't make me jump because <gasps> all i was thinking was oh such a good idea <laughs> Like, good for you. Because, like, what an amazing thing to have done. I know. Uh, like, all of her ideas are really good. Yeah. Like, they, you know, but the bit, obviously, it's like the bit, but the bit that got me so much is the, um, when she's having, like, didn't, when she's meeting the sister in, a rest, in the restaurant. Oh, God. And it wasn't actually the, like, the violent act. It was the bit just before it when she looks past her and then like the knife is like floating oh. in the air it scared me so much it reminded me did you do that with your friends in high school <laughs> like you know they would be talking to you and you would suddenly and like and you would go <laughs> no and did you not do that me and my friends did that like i it, that wasn't very podcastable but basically i like looked past like just above mary's ear and then like made a horrified face um <laughs> But we used to do it to each other all the time. It used mm. to scare the shit out of us. Like it was like a running game. I thought I don't know if that's. I thought that was a normal game that everyone no. played. It was horrible. Oh my it's really God. horrible. It means you're like constantly like having like like this spine tingling moment. It must moments. have been a British game. Mate, I think I'm, it I'm is. Jealous. Like quite. <laughs> we had boring Canadian games like oh, hide and seek. No, <laughs> like right, like it was like I mean it, less of a game, more like a tormenting oh. like that you do to each other, but. Yeah. Like, 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 can you let us know? Can you tweet us yes. if you played that game with I each other? I want to know. I actually might bring it back because it was like, <laughs> it was really fun. And like, you know, the best people have like the most convincing faces. They don't like overdo it. It's oh, just wow. like, um, 
Yeah, it's a good, it's a good game. But yeah, like just and also what scared me a lot about that restaurant scene is the fact that it it was this kind of like very, uh, I guess, not, I don't want to say it was a formal eatery, but it seemed very trendy. People mm-hmm. were dressed pretty well, and she just came out looking like pretty rough. And in a way, that also was unsettling because she was so distraught. And there was a, a, a little bit of a back and forth with the waiter. And she, obviously she, she had had her issues with her sister in terms of um, her ex sending the sister this email. Yeah. Uh, this horrible email. And obviously that was all done because, as we know, in, in, in abusive relationships, the perpetrator or the bully always intends to isolate their victim. Uh, to make sure that they really have not a very strong support system that of people they can go go to for help so that they're forced to stay. And that whole thing with the email, like that was really brutal. And the fact that then, you know, she wasn't believed. And But I, I thought that bit with the email was actually quite good because, and mm-hmm. the way that she kind of dealt with it in the end was quite good because, I mean, as much as it had been written by him, even if someone else like went and wrote, an email mm-hmm. and didn't even know you at all they were still managed to pick up on issues that were yeah. true and i think that's why it caused so much damage because there is friction between them exactly like because and as there is between any siblings. as there is between any siblings yeah. and there is, there is between anyone and like anyone trying the like, wow. romantic relationships can like cause so many problems for so many people if they're bad and I thought that was really and when she sat down and said like you know I know I just need like she didn't say I didn't write that email I didn't write, she kind of like she said I know that you're upset with me that is which true. is and that's very interesting because like I actually recently had an argument with my sister mm. over Christmas mm. and like and I felt that it was very much it was actually caused by something that happened to me mm. I, I like I felt that it was very much caused by something else that happened to me to upset me mm. which caused this like very silly argument over nothing mm-hmm. but I kind of realized over time that as much as it had come out of nowhere and it didn't need to have happened yeah. it wasn't it wasn't out of nothing it wasn't from a vacuum exactly Some, it didn't they would these... we would never have had that argument if there weren't there wasn't it kind of like brought That's to light other stuff so I thought that was really well done that idea of you know even like Wow. There are ways, there are films like that where you have like an obsessive person causing trouble and mm. you think like, how can you all believe, how can you all believe this like false narrative? But she believed it so quickly because there was, there were problems between those two sisters. Wow, that is so true. So I thought it was really sent like sensitively done, really like really close to life. And what's, what's the, the, the heartbreaking element is that this, her ex is, trying to exploit problems to drive a wedge between the two exactly, sisters. Exactly, because there's no, like, there's no wow. spotless person that can't be destroyed. That's like, so everyone's, true. like... Everyone's got issues. Everyone's got issues, and that's how, it, like, that's what people who know you use to hurt you. He just manipulated like, them. Yeah, and I think it's also, wow, that that's it's so kind true. of, it's quite interesting, because, the you know, the Weinstein, like, trial just yeah. happened. And I think one of the quotes that I really liked was, um, you know, like, the prosecuting lawyer was commenting on um how the the women a lot of the women had like after the the rape or the assault had like reached out to him and like with affection and like pursued oh. like other like other dates or other and um she said like it it should now be understood that this is the norm that mm. is what victims do and i so i think going back to this idea of like you know these 
there's this friction between the sisters yeah. like it's really I think it's quite a good comment on the idea that you don't need to be like spotless to no. be a deserving victim wow that's so true I really liked that like she's not like she's not just like this I think a lot of the time in like in if this film was made in the 90s she'd be this like flawless person yeah. who didn't deserve for this time but it's actually the case is that no one deserves this time no one them. does even if they're like not always that nice to their sister or even if they do say something about their sister behind her back that yeah. was then repeated in an email like you know i so i thought that was really wow, that was really so well done true. abuse is not acceptable under any circumstances yeah it also feeds into guilt that she brought this guy into the lives of all of the people that she yeah. knows, her sister, her friend, you know, God knows who else. She carries that guilt with her. And that's the problem with people who are trapped in abusive relationships is that they often don't feel they're entitled to get help because they don't want to burden other people yeah. with what this monster is doing to, to her, you know? Actually, I was thinking about this concept of in invisibility and that really is a good metaphor for trauma mm -hmm. um, because it's something that you know is there. No one else can see it. They just see the persona that you present to them. It's just like there were so many layers of his control and his coercive behavior. Like he really wanted to entrap her. Um, it's interesting because actually the... The friend I went to see it with yesterday, um, Katie, shout out to Katie. <laughs> um, she made a really interesting point. She said that um, the film also works as an interesting narrative on the male compulsion to control women's reproduction, mm. like reproductive capacity, especially in America, like those laws that are so prohibitive and trap women into terrible situations where they're not. Uh, masters of you know their own body um really regressive like abortion laws etc that in a way that compulsion to regulate female reproduction is very tantamount to stalking oh yeah definitely and it's also like it's not even just like, you know obviously you have to put up with a certain amount of misogyny just like in your daily life from men that you know yeah. like that it's like totally unconscious yeah yeah um but it's not even like on that societal level like i've never gone out with a man mm. that didn't have some kind of opinion on my birth control mm -hmm. and it's often like should you really be on the pill like or like I because I haven't been on the pill for a long time mm. and when I tell men that I'm dating that I'm not on the pill they're like that's really good because like I know I've had girlfriends that have been on the pill and it makes them like really crazy mm. and it's like do no 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 do not get your like no. desire to do not get your like unconscious like need to procreate confused with my mood swings <laughs> it's not but it's it's well a very said. like it's there's very much a like oh yeah there's like there's always some kind of oh yeah like there always has to be some kind of input and it's like really nothing to do with them and it's unsolicited as yeah well. always unsolicited yeah. it's like i don't care what you think like i don't bother because they gave me migraines yeah, like, yeah you know of course <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah it's, it's it is an interesting it's this... interesting to see these opinions coming out like mm -hmm. men's opinions about women's choices around their body and family planning it's, yeah because you know? it's that film hollow man which yes. is not the invisible man but like a similar concept mm -hmm. it has like a really like upsetting like sexual assault scene in like oh, yeah. uh, like a woman mm -hmm. asleep that's and, right and i a bit like the entity some, a bit like the entity yeah. and i was for some reason i was waiting for that like oh. i don't know why i was but i was mm. like oh that's gonna be really horrible when it happens because and it never went there no. which i was like really impressed by because i think mm. again it was this idea that there are like there are more 
I also think the idea that of the way that rape is often portrayed in, in film is that like it it has to be like the worst thing that could ever happen to you and it's like this very like this is like extremely like violent like mm. almost like theatrical act mm. and I thought that this film was so interesting in that it is focused on the way because I think replacing someone's birth control is a form of rape of course and like there are so many like subtler like equally life ruining but less violent ways for that to happen yeah. so just I just thought it did really well yeah I agree um, I was impressed with the twist at the end yeah. I did not see that coming oh I did oh, I like, really? it only like a couple of seconds before I was like oh 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 like oh, wow. I knew it was going to happen because I actually really liked um, is there an implication that she designed his house it wasn't quite spelled out in the script but it's yeah. almost as if it was suggested that she was the person who designed the house and that's how they met yeah I think it could right? be that I mean she says they met at a party but it feels like he's the guy that would meet someone and be like hey have yeah, like yeah. 300 million to design my house <laughs> but like it's, it's there's a lot of um, closet stuff yes in the film which I was like I think really recognised because of our fashion series oh, and we did yeah. talk about closets a lot and the symbolism yeah um, and it seemed like those were like those were kind of like repeatedly portrayed as really safe spaces because like mm. she has a hiding place in the closet she talks in the job interview about how she lived in a closet and it was the happiest time of her life mm-hmm. and there's there are like and then in like the, when in her sort of like unsafe like situation all her clothes are like out on a rail in the middle of the room that's so she's right. got a closet that's right yeah. so it was like this idea of this like very safe oh. space which is also like quite a feminized space because women have all the clothes women like the be whole shopping. space was this closet like, almost big closets. yeah like a living closet yeah exactly oh my god that's um, so true but yeah so i thought that was like that was a nice interesting thing that kind of that touch of closet yeah. space and her being an architect and her having these all of these experiences in closets oh i love that yeah yeah, that's true. And the fact that um, in addition to that, often with these uh, abusive relationship scenarios, it is like this closeted secret, mm-hmm. you know, that you don't, you, there's a lot of shame associated with that, having to tell people that you're going through this. So yeah, it, and it, it does feel like she's kind of made her closet li- livable. Yeah. And in the end, it's where she hides the sec- you know, the secret suit. Yeah. That causes her to become invisible. Oh my god. And it's just so perfect that she killed him the same way that he killed his her sister. Yeah, like, it was amazing. So, such poetic justice. Because also the invisible man's suit, I was trying to figure out like what is it made of? It's just a bunch of cameras. Yeah. And that was also interesting because the camera is an all-seeing eye. And in some ways, it's a bit like an extended version of Peeping Tom. Yeah. And he's completely covered in these cameras, you know? It was interesting that he was, like, this tech, like, mm. god. and But he employed, like, quite old-fashioned methods of harassing her. Like, there's this <laughs> idea that he, like, got into her laptop and wrote that email. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, you're a tech billionaire. <laughs> like you can just, grade, like, you, know? <laughs> you can hack in like that. Like, it's really... Yeah. It was, or, or not even old-fashioned, just kind of, like, not very savvy. Yeah. You know? Was, and then there's also, I thought, like, the thing that kind of annoyed me was, like, okay, he's, like, a tech billionaire. Mm. But is he, like, a martial arts master? Because, like... <laughs> That he does like that bit where he like takes on like all the place like I know he's invisible but like you I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to like there's no reason why he has to be like so in shape I guess because he's rich but like I thought that was a little bit silly like, I know I that know. was like the other one the brother like yeah. in the corridor but it's just like that he's even weaker like there's no way there's that you no could way. you could do it like you get tired like just because you're invisible doesn't mean you're not like 
Yeah, I thought that was a bit silly, but apart from that, I thought it was really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Overall, I like the the central idea, like the core idea of it about abuse, invisibility, trauma, PTSD, mm-hmm. and again, amazing performance by Elizabeth Moss. So, if anyone's not seen it yet. Well, if you haven't seen it yet and you've listened to this now, uh, you've been Yeah, spoiled. we'll put a spoiler alert in the description. Cause <laughs> we'll put a spoiler alert. We told you everything. We told you everything. Um, but yeah, um, stay tuned for my sister and I's review of Upgrade. Oh, Mary's sister's lovely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you, Mary. Bye. Bye. As a quadriplegic must be frustrating for you, someone who likes to get things done with their hands. Here's the thing. Four guys murdered my wife. If I could find these men, I'd do it. What if I told you I could offer you something that would enable you to walk again? I call it STEM. A computer chip that has the potential to change everything. It's a new, better brain. I am STEM, the system operating your body for you. Welcome back to Projections Podcast. I'm here with my sister Mimi. Hi. Hi. So my sister's doing a guest episode. Uh, We decided to review a film we just watched, which is Lee Wannell's film Upgrade. Um, What did you think of it? Well... Like most times when you suggest that I watch a movie, I was not sure I want to watch it (laughs) because I'm just not a movie person, actually. But because you have good taste, you're probably the only person that I would listen to when you say that a movie sounds good. Okay. And I would say it was a very good film and I I would give it 8 out of 10. Oh, wow. That's a high rating. That's really good. Yeah, we watched it on DVD. So this is a 2018 release. It's a cyberpunk action body horror film written and directed by Lee Wanell. Um, it stars uh, Logan Marshall Green. So last time Mimi was in London, uh, <laughs> we uh, I recommended that you watch uh, Karen Kusama's film, The Invitation. <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> um the Invitation, and so Logan Marshall Green was also in that film. Uh, he's a very good actor. He's an excellent actor. And so Upgrade is about a man who's implanted with a chip that allows him to control his body after a mugging leaves him paralyzed. Um, I was saying to you that it kind of reminded me of The Crow a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah? Yeah. It was uh, same same type of storyline, like... This sense of uh, revenge, yeah, driven by l- love and grief, in a way that you sympathize with the killer, right? That's right, and kind of almost like an element of like being brought back to life, almost like a reanimated body, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With superhero power, like almost superhero power. Yeah, because after the mugging, he was left, uh, the character was left uh, quadriplegic. So he was paralyzed from the neck down. Because you kind of brought up some uh, interesting points about technology and ethics, right? Yeah. Um, what, 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 I was interested to, to like learn more about your thoughts around that. Well, I think that 
although there's a lot of exaggerated uh, technological advancements in the film that we're not anywhere close to, um, some of it seemed quite uh, relatable, like the the autonomous cars, which many companies are looking into, and I think some people even have autonomous cars, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, and the whole tragedy started with an autonomous car, but mm-hmm. but overall, I think that all of the 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 like playing around with the movements of uh, the limbs and how the brain is re- related to some chip and how that makes us become alive again, and so all all the things around the advancements in, of the technology, I think, yeah. is a very is almost like a, an alarm for us because technology is moving so fast um, and our ethical frameworks are... Ethics is something that is like philosophical and people debate about, have been debating about what is ethical for centuries. Um, and it's something untangible and is something... Um, it's not like technology that is just like a mathematical question and if you can solve that you can make like a chip that can make Mm. a paralyzed person alive again and so I just looking watching the film I was concerned about something that I think about a lot which is how how do we be how do we integrate ethics into this this acceleration in technology um, and how are, how do we do that given the fact that what these people are building are things we don't understand? Like mm-hmm. most of us don't understand what these algorithms do. We don't understand what the hackers are doing. Um, and it's just like a elite like scientific minds that are leading this. Mm-hmm. And how do, how do we enforce ethics into this? How do we bring in um, checks and balances when we don't even know what they're doing and they're doing it so fast? And I think wow. that the movie this and many other things so basically like the system of deciphering right from wrong is not moving at the same rate as the advancement of technology so it's like there's always a danger that we're not going to catch up to the place where these machines were building they're they're self-learning they're accumulating so much knowledge on their own and yeah, you're right. Like this, the rate of right or wrong is interesting because when the implant went in and he started to hear a voice, like that was quite uncanny because it's like at first he thought he was insane because he had this like internal monologue that he could actually hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, it turned, and then when it was just explained that, oh, actually, I'm just the sound waves of the internal, like, operating system i mean there's some movies that have been made already about that like there's this movie called spike um it's by spike jones called her you've seen it uh you should see it it's that what's it's what joaquin phoenix and scarlett johansson plays the the operating system but you've seen um ex machina right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because that's kind of interesting It's, it's kind of like another example of a ai or an advanced technology that becomes advanced by learning there's just like a very small portion of society that is able to tap into the knowledge of what these these not in this film because this is like futuristic but what 
what like technologists are doing and what hackers are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that scene, there's a scene in the film where he goes and he finds the hacker and she's in some very strange abandoned kind of loft. And there's these people in their own virtual reality worlds. And, and like he relied on her because she knew how to hack, but he, he can't rely on like, you know, the state or he can rely on, on the police and, and it was kind of like um, like Hobbes's Leviathan, mm. where like we're entering even like we're kind of doing a backward flip or something. Like we're we're going backwards in the sense that we've we've created states and we've created rule of law and governance, but in the tech space, we're completely the Leviathan, okay. which was like a lawless place where only the strongest survive and and it's it's a very it's it's unregulated it's really scary and like if you look at mark zuckerberg for example and the stuff his company was doing with elections and at like so not elections but like letting people put whatever ads they want and 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 spam whoever they want and whatnot um the only reason now he's he's kind of putting in more checks and balances is because he got caught. Mm-hmm. So what we learned from people, his case is that he had no ethical foundation. Mm-hmm. He's just behaving in a certain way now, and investing more in in things like privacy and um, and other things like that because he got caught. Yeah, and. And this is what's scary because it's it's very hard for us who don't know how to code or don't know how to do these these scientific things um, to know what they're doing to then tell them what you did is wrong or right. And wow. it's, it, we're entering a, a lawless land okay. in the virtual world and it's very scary. But there is this one scene in the film that I really liked where... The guy, so the, the blonde guy who owned this company and who put installed the chip in him... Um, we thought we we were led to believe for a long time in the film that he was the one who was trying to prevent the main character from kind of uh, fulfilling his revenge and wanted to control him and there's this scene where he's meditating Mm. and uh, we only learn later in the film that he, he himself is being controlled by, by the AI or whatever you want to call it. And I think that was a really powerful scene because he was in a meditative state and he was in the Zen environment and he was looking within. And he didn't have a speaking role there, but he was really looking within to find that anchor, to find the ethical way. Mm-hmm. And... and I think that maybe that was like perhaps like a glimmer of hope in the film that there are certain people with this advanced skill sets that um, may act ethically, but it's it's just based on their personal desire to or not. And that's really alarming because uh, in the end, he was trying to help the guy. Yeah. Um, so that was a really good scene. And... I think we're we're entering a very lawless uh, chapter in history. Okay, but w- are you familiar with um, the theory of singularity? 
something about everything connected yeah yeah it's something around some uh sort of computer engineers who believe that because of the internet mm. all human knowledge is going to be consolidated mm. but it's it, it's it's moving at such an exponential rate that they i think they predicted like the year 20 by the year 2050 so in around 30 years time by that point the consolidation of human knowledge is going to become so condensed and like so is, is going to reach such an apex that literally our collective imagination is liter is going to literally be combined i.e mm. we'll all be able to download all our personalities onto a cloud hmm. and we will just be one giant brain all of us because mm -hmm. Of the, the the rate of technology, because and then we'll have that option to live eternally as a downloaded personality onto a cloud. Okay. <laughs> and we and the technology will actually be available that you won't even need human bodies as vessels. Hmm. We can just live eternally on some hard drive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, I don't think I would want that. That would be my but then idea. Then what would the Indians who believe in karma think about that? Yeah. Because they believe in karma, right? Mm -hmm. Hindus. There's no karma if, they, if we don't die. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know if I think... Yeah, I don't know. What's also What I also found interesting is like the bit where he was hearing the voice for the first time and he was like, oh my God, am I going insane? And then... STEM, which is this, then obviously the name of the program, um, reassured him that he wasn't insane, apart from some a mild case of PTSD. So he had post-traumatic stress disorder after the accident and after his wife's death. I kind of found it reassuring that, according to STEM, PTSD is not insanity because actually that's what a lot of um, psychiatrists say as well. Mm. That the mechanism inside the brain that brings on the state of PTSD is actually a perfectly logical mm -hmm. reaction to trauma um, because it's the the event of the trauma is too overwhelming for the brain to process in a healthy way so by experiencing the symptoms of PTSD which are flashbacks and uh, insomnia and anxiety and blah 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 all those those all those things that is the sign of a healthy brain actually responding to an overwhelming like trauma and so that was a kind of interesting like take mm -hmm. i had never heard that before like mm -hmm. yeah i also thought like when he said am i going insane yeah um like basically what happened is that he realized that there's this thing talking to him that had a intelligence like from somewhere he doesn't know mm -hmm. and it had power and he immediately thought he's insane. Mm. And I think that, like, when he said, no, you're not insane, I got a little reassured because, like, sometimes it does happen to me where I wonder if I'm insane, <laughs> actually. Like, like I'll feel like I'm getting a sign from yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. or something is... Coincidence or... Some, yeah. something, something is kind of just guiding me in some way. And I'm like, am I insane? Like, am I crazy? And somehow that reassured me when he said no. Also, at the end of the film, when he 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 was in a very difficult situation, yeah. and he just automatically switched his mind to a good memory. Yeah. 
so it's where he doesn't have to think about the suffering he was experiencing in the real life. I thought, wow, we probably do that a lot too, you know, wow. as, as human beings. But you also said something about conversations with God. That was interesting. Oh, yeah, because when he... Uh, once he's like, am I going crazy? Who's talking? And like the AI is like, it's me in your head. He said, just write something out and... It's something that Trust the AI it, saw, you know, yeah. and the AI saw it, and he 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 drew it out as the AI was kind of just taking over his hand. And in the in the book Conversations with God, that's what the guy who wrote the book says. He says God actually commands me to write this, and I mean, it sounds. Some people might think it sounds crazy, but it yeah i don't know it Maybe. kind of it was a bit parallel to that wasn't it like yeah as if the implanted chip was actually With like God, a divine yeah. a divine force guiding his hands yeah <laughs> but then then again later on like it was an evil force so yeah. and it was interesting that he was a mechanic because like tr- like for the longest time we we played some we placed so much value in mechanics because they were the ones that were able to fix the, our means of transportation and cars, which was, like, very important technology. And in this film, he was, like, primitive. Hmm. And he was... Because from- he didn't have any implants. Like, he had no microchips. He had no microchips. He didn't even know what the girl's job really was or what these techie people were doing. And, by the way, why was he going to the blonde guy's house in the first place? He had to deliver something to who? Like, how did that even... Um, he said, like, can you drive said, me somewhere? Yeah, because didn't he just say um, he was there? Was he there to fix a car? No. I think he said he had to deliver something. Okay, what was that? I don't know. But probably that was all planned, right? Um, but yeah, he was a mechanic. And it's it's funny that in this film... he. In, as a mechanic, he was someone who knew nothing about technology. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah, like the measure of how, the like of the speed of the advancement of technology when a mechanic who at one time would have been the height of technological sophistication is suddenly now like this almost like esoteric, archaic person who um, is a clean slate. Like there's, he's, he's sort of, that's why he was sought after by by the machine because he was easily uh, taken over mm-hmm. with no interference with any other type of knowledge of technology or um, implanted microchips. Um, also, and he, he was yeah. sorry. He was someone that like just was chilling and like enjoying rock music and drinking Coke, Coca Cola or whatever, and he. He he didn't fear the technology, whereas no. a lot of us do. Like he was not even concerned about what's going on in the world with the technology advances, mm. and and that's probably why they also picked him because he he was naive and he he was not questioning, he was not resisting, and he's just not caring. Yeah, so he was perfect, that's which so which may, would is like a lesson that we should be very. We, even if we're not programmers or we're not hackers, mm. we should be um, actively uh, following current events about where like ethics is going, where data privacy is going uh, with respect to technology because it's 
surveillance. We have a responsibility kind of as citizens to do this. Otherwise, you're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, like he was very vulnerable. Um, a lot of the because you, you there's something else that you said that made me think of because uh, you said something about the evolution of knowledge and where humankind is then faced you know comes at a point where they're in a conflict in a direct conflict with the machine they created and so you get these stark uh moments of of like tension between a sentient machine and human subjectivity and that made me think of 2001 space odyssey because Mm. there's so many great scenes like that of human being interacting with the machine who's become a villain Mm. like hal Mm. you know um so and that's also true in ex machina as well Mm -hmm. you know like the ai becoming a villain Mm. um because at the end of the day the machine doesn't have I guess the, cap- the capacity for morality. The p- machine is basically just a psychopath who just mm-hmm. wants to survive. Uh, there's no weighing of the right or wrong, and they're super smart and super advanced. Um, it's scary. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, it makes it, it's good kind of material for these science fiction thrillers. But it's very relevant. Like, there's even scientists now that are thinking about like what is consciousness, right? And and free will and all these things and you wonder is it because they want to code that shit in, into the robots and if so then the robot will have consciousness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you define words of consciousness is very difficult. I don't even think they'll they'll be able to answer it. But even if they get one percent of that question right, uh, it's very scary. Yeah, I mean it's a philosophical debate that has never been resolved. Like. For centuries and centuries, philosophers have been at odds about even just defining consciousness. So, yeah, I was kind of trying to... While while watching the film, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the characters and wondering, I wonder what generation they are. Like, like are are these just grown-up Zoomers? Like, who are they? Are they, like, Zoomer children? Like, Mm. you know? (laughs) Because it's not that far off in the future. Yeah, it's not. You know? Um, there were some also interesting critiques of like the role of government and and what they know what they're investing in and the type of people that they um recruit for this because it's like loyal people are loyal to some structure yeah. right like a lot of these guys in the film who were like villains like i like techie villains were soldiers mm-hmm. that are very loyal and uh I don't know. I just thought like, I'm sure governments know are, are more advanced than some governments are more ex, ex, are are um, advanced yeah. in some of this science and and because it's governments yeah. um, and it's technology, so th- there is a, they have a reason to not publicly say what they know because it's like a security you know, leverage for them to, to, to do research in this area. But then again, the question becomes, if you don't know what they're researching, then how do you, how, how do you oversee it? How do you um, impose rules that, you know, these ethical frameworks? It's, yeah. It's not straightforward. There's some really good scenes also with, um, like, the, the, there's this stark contrast between these, like, web, like, 
bodily weaponized soldiers, upgraded soldiers mm. versus like these hacker anarchists who like mm. <laughs> live in this derelict building and mm. most of them are just literally just trap themselves to VR machines and they're just living in virtual reality and they they don't they they'd rather just exist in this like made up fantasy world. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And they even it was so funny cuz they even had like life support machines like <laughs> like That's a nutrient true. machine that like intravenously like nourished them. They didn't even have to eat. But who were the people who got killed in the elevator? They came out of oh, a yeah. van. I still don't know. Like, could they have been... I think they might have been the cops. But they came out of a van. Either the With cop- a brand on yeah. it. It was a cobalt um, company. Because then they got they got shot by the soldiers, didn't they? And the cobalt is which company again? That's the, that's the wife's company. Oh. Yeah. I kind of had to rewatch this film. Yeah. I feel like I missed a lot of little bits. Yeah, yeah. So... I found the detective but, really annoying. Yeah, me too. But you're right. There is this... Um, that scene with the anarchists was very interesting. Jamie. And that's the, why, Jamie was cool. Yeah. And that's why Stem <laughs> knew who, her. Because probably... Like, she had they had used her for other things. But I don't think she was evil. No. She, She's just knowledgeable. She was just really smart, and... Uh, I hope they bring Jamie back in the sequel. But why would they want to kill off... Like, why did Stem tell him at the beginning, look, I know, zoom it, and I'll tell you that guy's number on his wrist. Like, why did he want the main character hmm. to kill those guys if those guys are actually working for Stem? Because it's it's a test. It's like... Oh, okay. It's just a test to, to see, see how the far, levels. Yeah. See how far he's gone in his in his power. Wow. <laughs> that's that's fucked up. Yeah. But in a way, that could be like a cool like life lesson because it means that that's a that's a really positive perspective to look at your adversaries. Because if you never ever if you never have difficult situation in your life and you never meet people who want to beat you down. How are you going to know that you can survive them? Mm-hmm. Like, so in a way, those, mm-hmm. your enemies are a gift because mm-hmm. it, it's a benchmark to see how far you've come and what you can survive. Yeah. Like, that's actually a really nice <laughs> like life lesson, you know? Yeah. If you just live this sheltered life where you've just been protected from the world, like those people in the VR, like... <laughs> You know, like, you don't know what you can survive. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. You don't have any survival skills. Mm-hmm. But Stan built for himself, he already pre-mapped for himself, a journey of being tested and being hunted down and, like, embattled in some way. Mm-hmm. The, the conflict was always part of his journey because he had to overcome that and prove his own advancement to himself all the time. It's cool. But I feel like the film ended in such a way that you could have a sequel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel like it was just the first act. And these people who, like, you know, like Lee Wannell, he obviously writes, he's he's been known to do sequels, like franchises, like Saw. Okay. So maybe... 
we can expect us to upgrade too. Yeah, in another podcast episode. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, did you want to say anything else about it? Thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. You are not